In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Hi, everybody, and welcome to High Ground News' On the Ground podcast, where community leaders share on-the-ground insight about what's moving Memphis neighborhoods forward. The podcast is powered by the Daily Memphian and the OAM Network. This week, we'll be talking about Memphis's newly drafted comprehensive plan, Memphis 3.0, and a recent community planning workshop focused around the potential redevelopment of Whitehaven Plaza. I'm delighted to welcome two guests, Angelica Carey, who's Municipal Planner for the Office of Planning and Development, and Trey McKnight, Executive Director of the Greater Whitehaven Economic Redevelopment Corporation, which we'll be calling G-Work because that's really a mouthful. So uh, Angelica and Trey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thank you for having me. And I'm Emily Trenum. I'm the publisher and community engagement manager of High Ground News. So let's start at the 30,000-foot tw- level and, and talk about Memphis 3.0, which is Memphis's first comprehensive plan since 1981, I think. And so, uh, Angelica, just let's just go for the basics. And why don't you explain to the audience, what is a comprehensive plan anyway, and why is having one important for a community? Sure. So a comprehensive plan has many names. You can also consider it a city master plan. Um Usually they can be from anywhere 10, 20, even 50 years long. And the point of a comprehensive plan is to kind of be a guiding roadmap for a city to look at how it's going to invest over time uh, for development and the priorities and vision that the city wants to put forward. So um, basically... When you have a, a comprehensive plan, it's, like I mentioned, a roadmap for all of the residents, um, any sort of community leaders, and politicians really to kind of all be on the same page, know what the city is working towards over a certain amount of time, um, and kind of have something to hold everybody accountable and par- part of the process. Um, that sounds great. So... I've actually been involved in various aspects of Memphis 3.0 and, you know, and just actually just last night saw a presentation of the final draft. And one of the big themes, and this is something the mayor has been talking about really for the last year or so, is building up and not out. So, um, so from that, you can interpret that until now we've been building out. So, so Angelica, talk a little bit about that and why that's important in terms sort of countering some of the some of the development patterns that got us to where we are today. Sure. So we haven't had a plan since uh, 1981, which is what you mentioned. And with that last plan, the priority really was to kind of use up the available space to the urban um, outer boundary of Memphis and kind of build outwards towards there. And what that has kind of left us with, um, along with a recession and other political and social events that have happened over the um, last 30 years or so, has re- or 40 rather, um, has kind of left the city, parts of the city where there's disinvestment, blighted communities or neighborhoods or just even streets. Um, and a lot of the 
people that may have lived in the inner parts of the city beforehand moved mostly out east or out of Memphis. And so what we saw was a kind of exodus from um, the what used to be kind of the core of the city and moving outward towards, you know, the suburbs. And, um, and really that's left some people and some neighborhoods in just a, a state of not knowing where to go from there. And so the building up, not out vision came through the planning process, talking with residents throughout the entire city on really what they wanted to prioritize over the next 20 years because now we have this large land mass where um, some parts are, are great for the community and some parts are just not really holding up to what people want to see. So we have this land mass. We're not planning on annexing any more uh, land. If anything, we want to just work with what we have and build up, right? So utilizing the land that we have um, – and focusing on what projects and initiatives can really propel Memphis forward, um, and even if that means actually physically building up. Well, that's, I mean, maybe this is a little bit of a digression, but I don't think people really understand how inefficient our previous growth patterns were. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, one of the things we talked, you talked about at the public meeting last night was how the size, the physical size of the community has grown, but the population has not. And so whenever there's people move out and there's new community centers and public facilities built, tax dollars have to go to to service those new facilities, but, but also the ones we already have. So it's just tax dollars get spread thinner and thinner, mm -hmm. and, um, and it's just not a very good, efficient use of resources. The other night at the, uh, the mayor's State mm -hmm. of the City address, he stated that there were over 6,000 miles within the city of Memphis. Is that correct? 6,000? I'm not sure that number sticks out in my head because of the state of the state of the union. He stated that you could drive back and forth to California three times without um, driven 6,000 miles. That's to the point so square of miles. square okay. miles. We've gone way out too far. Yeah. So one of the one of the results of that development pattern is in a lot of areas. And I think of sort of the inner ring sub suburban style like Whitehaven is you've just got a lot of a lot of vacant land and a lot of underutilized facilities so let's let's one thing I did want to say Angelica you didn't touch on this is that um there's the 14 planning districts mm -hmm. and Whitehaven's one of them and each of the planning districts I believe eventually there is going to be some kind of smaller district planning around anchors or around neighborhoods and the first one actually to 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 take place was this past week in Whitehaven, um, looking at the potential for redevelopment of Whitehaven Plaza. So Trey, I thought you'd maybe you could. I know you're not nearly old enough to remember <laughs> the heyday of White Whitehaven Plaza, but I wonder if you could just take us back and because I I'm not from here, I don't remember this. Like, what was Whitehaven Plaza like in its heyday? What happened? Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about the planning process. For future reference, I'm from Whitehaven, so I've I spent my entire childhood there. So Whitehaven Plaza, which to us, was always a destination. For my entire entire childhood, they always told us that Magic Johnson was going to put another movie theater there. Hmm. That never came to fruition, obviously. But the Whitehaven well, what was it like back in the day? In the back day, there was a Baskin Robin there. There was uh, several different stores. There was a bowling alley. There was a movie theater there. And we think that we can bring all that back to that community in that spot at Whitehaven Plaza. 
And how did it, what happened to, um, to make it go downhill? There was never any money reinvested in it. So people did not feel like they were going somewhere nice, somewhere, somewhere that they wanted to spend their, their money. So people started going different places. And I guess one of those places is South Haven. That is correct. A lot of the retail and the customer spending went to South Haven. That is correct. And that's, that's one of the things that I've been talking to the residents about is that when we do attract something new, when we do get something there, we have to be the ones to support it. And on the flip side of that coin, though, it's always, well, I want something nice if I'm going to go spend my money there. So we have to attract something nice and to, to, to garner the support of the residents. So, so this community planning process that happened last week, also known as a charrette, uh, Angelica, you were involved in that. So what are the different, I mean, Shred actually, there's sort of a typical series of steps mm-hmm. in that kind of process. Mm-hmm. Just take us through those, what happens during one of those planning processes. Sure. So a charrette is a fancy word <laughs> for a community planning workshop that usually happens over a few days. Um, and so with the charrettes that we had in Whitehaven and Raleigh, because um, we did have one there as well, was... We, we first had um, kind of an opening presentation just to get everybody acquainted to the area we were looking at, um, especially if they haven't been prod- part of the process of 3.0. The idea of anchors um, may be unfamiliar, and so that's a, a place where people gather. It's a, it's a destination area that was identified by the community as a place for also future investment. So looking at Whitehaven Plaza as one of the identified anchors, um, we got everybody, you know, on board, understanding this is what the area we're looking at. Um, And then we actually had architects from California fly in. They were able to kind of orient everybody to a a life-size scale model of the Whitehaven Plaza um, and start to just have discussions with people um, about what they'd like to see. So we actually took uh, a little walking tour around the plaza, um, which has actually got a lot of footprint to it. Um, So to be able to just walk around and and really think big, but also think on a very micro detailed scale of, um, you know, even what should the frontage or the outside of the building look like? Um, You know, should there be benches? Should there be um, trees? Those types of details, where should they be? Um, and then, you know, the architects were able to sort of take all of that into consideration along with some projections we've got over the future about housing and uh, economic impact and look at what could the foot, the, the on the ground kind of picture look like of the future of Whitehaven Plaza. And then residents were invited to come in and look at the model, look at what the architects were drawing and be able to comment on that and say, yeah, I think that that fits, or no, I don't think that's realistic for this this area, or maybe we could do that in 10 years instead of five, things like that. Um, and then the final day of the charrette, it happened over four days, was to present that to the public. So, Troy, you've been in the com- working in, in the community, involved in the community for a long time, and you've been talking to people about what they want to see in Whitehaven Plaza. So what do people want for Whitehaven Plaza? From everyone that I've spoken with, and if you've spent any time in Whitehaven, you know this to be true. They want a sit-down restaurant. And my organization, we believe they deserve a sit-down restaurant. Uh, if you'll allow me to take two steps back, there are over 30,000 people in the community of Whitehaven. 
with an average annual salary of over $45,000. There's discretionary income there. For sure. That's impressive. Um, What we would have to do is attract a restaurant to the community and have the community to support that restaurant. And I think that we're in a position now where we can do that. Um, We're in talks, actually, and currently in talks with restaurants about uh, relocating to the White Haven Plaza. So we hope that uh, we have some good news to share very, very soon. So both of you, of course, White Haven Plaza is a lot of real estate, a sit-down restaurant, maybe if you could attract a couple. What else do people want, um, did they say, in the area? Uh, everyone I've spoken to, um, coffee shop, mm-hmm. uh, retail, walk-up retail, uh, sit-down restaurant, mixed-use development. I've also actually I've also been talking with the uh, Fernard Properties, who's the, who actually owns and maintains the property. We also want to put a uh, food truck area over in the area. So because most people don't know, it's a lot of Fortune 500 companies in Whitehaven that have discretionary incomes. Where are they going to lunch? What we want to do is keep that discretionary income in Whitehaven. So uh, about six months ago, I put on a food truck event at the end of the Whitehaven Parade. I love Whitehaven Parade. went really well. So what I want to do for the future is, is have a food truck event about once a month and with the hopes to show that a brick-and-mortar restaurant can be maintained in the community. Well, the... I mean, I went to the final presentation, and until I could just describe a little bit, I was just blown away by all the different proposed uses that were on that, that were really on that site, and mm-hmm. it was exciting to see a walkable neighborhood elaborate on that a little bit. Sure. So, um, what based on what Trey was saying, you know, a lot of people were for mixed use, and that, you know, is what it means is lots of different types of uses that people can um, get out of going to one spot. Most of the time that could be um, stores, different types of stores or restaurants on the first floor and then um, maybe some sort of living residence um, on second and third floors, et cetera. So, um, and we did have that proposed. Um, so where the Planet Fitness and all the, that kind of area of the White Haven Plaza, that footprint of the building, Um, was where we wanted to create an entryway from Elvis Presley to really attract people in and want to head on that far back. Um, And so that involved lighting and and treescapes um, and and sidewalks to make it more accessible from Elvis Presley, um, whether you're walking, biking, coming off the bus, um, and not just driving. And then once you kind of get into that little driveway area, walk walking path, you're able to sort of see different types of um, retail options that will then eventually lead you to the Whitehaven Plaza already existing building. Um, and so that would kind of be the retail area um, with different types of shops. We heard that people want to see more upscale uh, offerings of businesses, um, entertainment that they can bring their families to, and that could be uh, in different forms for different age groups. And then sort of towards the, trying to get my orientation, the northeast, so um, sort of where the Piccadilly is, and then in the back there, it's very vacant. And so we were looking at that um, definitely over a scaled phased in amount of time on different housing options that could then support uh, retail that would be there and then support also future retail that could eventually go in there. Um, It's a careful balance of trying to look at what's the existing neighborhood, 
how many people are around there now, and then how do you attract people to, to first utilize the retail, but also keep it sustainable over time. And, and that's really where the, um, the neighborhood development piece comes in. To Angelica's point, that area where she was speaking of where the margaritas is going has been named one of the most dangerous crosswalks in the state of Tennessee. Really? If you go there now, I assure you, there's someone trying to cut across six lanes of traffic. That's Reigns and, and Elvis Presley, right? That's correct. Yeah. The, well, Angelica, that's great. You, you're, you're doing a great job, by the way, um, describing using audio, but most, you know, a planning process where we usually have a lot of visual props like maps and site plans. So Thank you. Um, it, I know that's a challenge. The, um, but I want to sort of go off on a tangent for a second, Trey, because one thing, you know, you have talked to me about um, quite a bit, and we've discussed this over the, the several months we've known each other, is the the need for more housing choices in Whitehaven, different housing types. Um, so, so elaborate on that a little bit, like what's available now, and then what young professionals, young families might want, because I saw some of that on this plan. The stability of the Whitehaven community sometimes can be a reverse, can be a curse, because uh, home ownership in Whitehaven is the highest, one of the highest in the country for African Americans. But that also means nobody's moving. So there's not much real estate available. So uh, we've been in talks with HCD, uh, hopefully, to try and work with, try and get some uh, market rate housing. Uh, everybody's chasing that, that one little word, which is millennials. So millennials don't want to cut grass. Millennials want to walk places. Millennials want to do all the the millennial type things. So what we want to do is work with each organization to try and to gain uh, some apartments. Uh, as you all know, the... Um, Sears has closed at White, at Southland Mall. Could we do something there? Is that a good spot for mixed use? With and when I say mixed use, I mean at the bottom of the restaurant at, at the top of the at the top there could be then apartments. These are things that we are having conversations about, obviously, but nothing's happened yet. But it's very much a need, I believe, for the community to continue to grow. Well, that was one of the exciting things I saw in the plan because. As you said, and and this is not just Whitehaven, but I think particularly Whitehaven, there's they've got single family mm-hmm. homes that are lovely, uh, on big yards, beautiful brick homes and yards, you know, you know, stable home ownership associations, mm-hmm. and then there's apartments, mm-hmm. which most of the time mostly are not that nice, and it's not really much in between. There's mm-hmm. not market rate apartments. There's not really townhomes. A zero lot line kind of things for for younger professionals to come in and, and and I think I saw some of that in the plan duplexes and wasn't that right mm-hmm. yeah duplexes fourplexes um, cottage style homes that that are you know just a smaller footprint but kind of lead out to a courtyard mm-hmm. um, so that it feels like you're in a single family home but you're not necessarily having all of the yard space to maintain um, so yeah, I think being able to offer different options because that, that's a pattern we've seen across Memphis as well is lots of single family and then apartments. And usually what, what we hear from com- community members is the apartments normally don't have that good of a reputation. And so there needs to be different options for um, especially, you know, Memphis was just named one of the top cities to move to. 
Um, so having places for young professionals, young families, and even empty nesters, people that, you know, don't want to maintain. People want to age in place. Right, Mm -hmm. exactly. So wasn't there a a potential senior component I saw in mm -hmm. that plan? Um, maybe one of those little, um, with the, the, the patio and those. Yeah, we, we did look at that too. And so, you know, and that's the, that's the thing is depending on whatever financing options are allocated in the future, I mean, it, it, and over time, right, we want to think of this as biting kind of a really big apple over time. What's the best way to eat an elephant? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the, so actually that's a great transition to obviously, even if it's done over time, this is um, would be expensive mm-hmm. and it's uh, would require quite a bit of private sector investment, but um, what do you, have there been any discussion about what kind? Like, is the city planning to put some infrastructure dollars into that? And is there talk about maybe potentially creating a TIF district? What's what are things people are talking about? So you can go from everyone wants to go see from you know take the plan and actually see it implemented. So. How is that going to happen? Well, we've been working with Mayor Strickland, and he's been very receptive. Um, nothing's in place as of yet, but just taking two steps back, my uh, previous background, I spent five years managing economic incentives for Memphis and Shelby County at Edge. So I understand economic incentives, and I do understand how to navigate the roads of attracting businesses to the community, and I'm hoping to bring that to the community. So whether it be a pilot, whether it be TIF, whether it be loans, we've actually uh, – partnered with Community Lift, and we've brought a, a loan fund to the community. If you locate to the community somewhere in Whitehaven, it's a new business, we will offer you up to $100,000, very low interest loan. Credit doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is if the business makes sense, and that's to locate to um, Whitehaven. We're not reinventing, reinventing the wheel. It's very similar to what Broad did. I don't know if everybody's mm-hmm. familiar with but exactly what they did. They had a loan fund. They incentivized people to move to community, and now you can take a look at Broad, and it has been it's beautiful. So are you optimistic that over time Whitehaven Plaza can get redeveloped? I believe without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, before Angelica and I even talked, I had picked White, Whitehaven Plaza to do what's called clustering. And it simply put, once you invest in a spot, it'll continue to grow and grow and grow. And we believe it's centrally located for the community for a lot of residents. Uh, the street the street of Elvis Presley has over 30,000 vehicles per day. Mm-hmm. That compares with any, any community you can think of, with discretionary income, we believe that if the investment is made at Whitehaven Plaza, the residents will support it and it will be a smashing smashing success and it will continue the growth of Whitehaven. Well, one of the things I heard loud and clear at the, the presentation on Saturday, and this was not the first time I'd heard this, that the residents are ready for some investment that benefits them and mm-hmm. not just the tourists and the tourist attractions, whether it's improvements to Elvis Presley Boulevard or Whitehaven Plaza. People are ready for the residents to get some love. Well, thankfully to the mayor at his State of the Union address, he assured us that Elvis Presley would begin paving in the spring of 2019. Now we're going to hope, uh, we're going to cross our fingers and hope that it happens, but that's a really big deal if we can get that street paved. Over 600,000 residents visit Elvis Presley Enterprises today and those people with discretionary income. We want to encourage them to travel a little bit further down Elvis Presley Boulevard to, uh, to patronize some of our businesses in the community. So going back up to 30,000 feet, um, Angelica, and I guess by way of a wrap-up, are there going to be similar community planning efforts 
um, small neighborhood planning efforts as part of 3.0. I know there was one in Raleigh this week, mm -hmm. but what else can the community expect? Will there be one in every planning district, do you think? Um, what do you see when you look in your crystal ball? What do you see um, in terms of the small area plans? So the, that's definitely our hope is to um, get a small area plan or implementation project. And, and that can be at any level or scale. And so I think we, we really started with Raleigh and Whitehaven first because um, we know that there's already been work on the ground. We, um, we have been able to have conversations with the property owners um, and people already kind of working around these properties. So... Um, so that's kind of the, the kickstart there. Um, and going forward, being able to first have a model that, you know, we can learn from with Raleigh and Whitehaven and then um, be able to go to different districts. And, and like I said, you know, that could be as small or as large as residents want it to be. And also, uh, you know, it's like clustering, but we want to have catalyst projects. So, you know, it could just be one thing kicks off another thing over time. Um, so yeah, we're, we're definitely hopeful to be able to kind of chomp at the bit over the next 20 years. So one thing I neglected to mention is that the Memphis 3.0 plan is drafted. Mm -hmm. It's not approved yet. And there's still opportunity for people, uh, to go online and look at it. And it is long. I think there's going to be an executive summary posted soon, but, but tell us the website sure. for people to look at if they want to make comments on the plan because that's coming up pretty soon. Yes. So uh, public comment period is open until February 8th. Um, and we, ha we have a couple options. You can go to memphis3.point0.com. So point is spelled out, memphis3.0.com. Um, you can read the draft plan there. It is long, so um, and it's online, so definitely download it. So you can read it there. Um, and we do have information on the website where you can um, either email us or give us a phone call to um, give your comments. We also have copies, physical copies of the plan in community centers and libraries throughout Memphis. So um, they're supposed to stay there, but we do have comment boxes that um, you can leave on Post-it notes, your comments, um, or if you see a spelling mistake, anything like that, just put the page number down. Um, and we are also available to discuss with on Facebook. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, Trey, what, do you have any final words uh, for the audience? I do. Um, if anybody wants to know what's going on in Whitehaven, please visit our, any of our social media posts at, at GWork Memphis on uh, Instagram, uh, on Twitter, excuse me, on GWork Memphis on Instagram. And our website is www.gworkmemphis.org. That's G-W-E-R-C. That's correct. Mm -hmm. .org. That's correct. And I, I should have mentioned that we, uh, High Ground, published a, a fairly long article a day or two ago, really going into more depth about the community planning process at Whitehaven Plaza. So there's a lot more information about that online at highgroundnews.com. Well, I want to thank uh, Angelica Carey and Trey McKnight for being our guests today on our On the Ground podcast. It's been a great discussion. And um, check out our coverage on highgroundnews.com, as I said. And you can follow this podcast and others from The Daily Memphian on Spotify and iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere else you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for having us. Thank you.
in-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.